Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. If you turn your Bibles to James chapter 3 and verse 13, we will um, look into some awesome words of God today. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. James chapter 3. Here we go. Chapter 3 and verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. That's so good. Don't, don't boast about it or deny the truth. You know what I mean? It's like You're just like, hey, don't, don't be bragging about it and don't lie about it. So I'm, just, I'm supposed to talk about it, but don't brag about it. You know what I mean? It's like a, a weird juxtaposition of the Bible. Uh, anyway, uh, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We know that it's powerful and effective. Lord, if we come here and we just hear words spewed from a mouth and and, uh, they make us inspired for a moment, it's no good. We need the real thing, God. We need, we need your presence and your power, and we need to know you in a greater way, and that's really why we're here. Lord, I pray that um, as we open our hearts, that you would fill us in new ways, that you would enter rooms that we have blocked off from you, and show us the truth and allow us to be healed because we receive the word of God today with gladness and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, the, the country is, is kind of obsessed with self-help. Um, have you, have you noticed that? I, it, it, there's buzzwords, you know, surrounding this self-help. In the 80s, it was, it was one thing. In the 90s, another thing. And, and we talk a lot about uh, self-care and self-love and toxic relationships. Have you ever heard these words? They, they're around all the time. And like, so if you're, you're, on, uh, you're on social media, you're going to see these things. And the more you click on them, the more they show up. I don't know if you know that or not. When you click on something, they feed you more of what they think you want. Um, so you got to be careful about that. The world is not necessarily doing all the things that you think are showing up on your phone. You're just clicking a lot, and they keep showing up to you, okay? So the other day, I, uh, I was talking with Reagan, and, and uh, she was like, I don't know how people think that sugar on spaghetti is gross. We're in the car. Nobody's on their phone, and we're just, she's just talking. And 30 minutes later, I have a picture on my phone of sugar with spaghetti, Believe that, okay? So the world is giving you more of what they think you want, right? And so oftentimes what we, uh, we do is, is we en- engulf ourselves in the world around us and whatever's happening and all these things coming at us. And then so we have these words like self-help and self-care in which you need to have because you have got to sort through the crap that's coming at you and get into what's happening on the inside of you. All right, we used to sing this song, Jesus on the inside Working on the outside, oh, what a change in my life. You ever heard that song? 
And I got to go, Jesus on the inside working. And whether it was the Elvis version or the, you know, really square white lady with the, with the big bun, you know, it just depends on how the style goes. But the, my favorite verse is when it comes along and it goes, Holy Ghost and fire changing my desire. Oh, what a change in my life. God is working on the inside and he is affecting your outside. And so actually this whole idea of self-help, my, my older brother was a big self-help guy, not like, like he went around doing motivational speeches, but he was always reading these books and stuff. And I was just in my young 20s and we would go to the, the bookstore and, and he would pick up something and I'd be like, what's that? And he was always just, just filling his mind with all of this information. And, uh, and I was like, you know, picking up like Harlem Renaissance poetry books and stuff like that. And so we have a different philosophies on life. Um, and I, I was like, all that self-help stuff, whatever is, is, is for the birds. And, and he was, he was busy about researching everything because he wanted to preach the word of God. Well, and now he, he basically, um, he's old. So that makes a big difference. He's an, he's, he's, he's got an AARP card. We'll say that my brother, my cool older brother is now a senior citizen, but my brother Rod, we, we, we often talk and he would talk about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of a man. And we would have these conversations. And, and what I found through listening to him and reading the Bible is a lot of what the world wants to do with self-help is actually rooted in the Bible. But the problem is they have good things and then they put on all this other crap and surround it and so where everybody else can only get to the crap and not get to the real truth, okay? And so there's nothing along with self-help. As a matter of fact, you need to be concerned about how your life grows and, and what you're building with. And, and, and the Bible talks about it's only a fool who starts building and doesn't count the cost, who doesn't take inventory and think about the plan and, and all of that stuff. And to me, what Jesus is saying is your life has to be built on the solid rock and you have to consider the cost and what it will take. And that is self-help. That is what it's going to take to become the person who God has dreamed you to be before you, even in your mother's womb, he, he knits you together and, and puts you together. He puts stuff in your DNA. But many people are going out and living their life based on all the crap, all what they're scrolling through, everything that's coming at them, and then they miss out on the truth of what they should be building on. Okay, And so what James has given us is like the ultimate self-help book, and he starts off in chapter 1, and he's like, hey, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Now, in the world, there's two different types of wisdom that come with this. They'll give you all sorts of crap surrounding it, and they'll be like, oh, you know, you just need to be carefree and just let it go. And you, need, you go over here, and you just need to, you need to like, um, just, just get rid of all the bad and the negative and, and all that stuff. And it's, it's like all of this outside stuff. But what God is saying is I want you to stir your thoughts. I want you to stir your, steer your life towards me and my truth and who I am. And then I start getting the solid foundation. And so on the outside, it may look like what other people are trying to get to. But the truth is it's rooted and grounded in the word of God. Amen. This is the kind of people we want to be. So James keeps rolling through all of this truth and he starts talking about wisdom and he starts talking about your deeds and the things you do. And then he starts talking about your tongue as a powerful thing. It'll steer your whole entire life. And the world is also talking about this, but oftentimes they can miss the mark. Not all the time, but they can miss the mark. And so we go to the tongue and the pastor preached an incredible sermon on that, on our words and our works and what we're going to do and what we're going to say. And so now he comes down, he's like, hey, there's two kinds of wisdom. There's two kinds of wisdom. And ultimately what he's getting at is the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. Okay? And he starts talking about, he says, uh, 
Who is wise and understanding? Let them show it by their good life. Isn't that a buzzword? My Uncle Rick, he comes and plays the piano sometimes. He always, always posts, life is good. Life's good. And it's always about something stupid. Maybe I get it from him, but he's like having a a taco or a latte, and he's like, life's good, right? It's like, life's good, life's good. But sometimes life doesn't feel so good, and here's still Uncle Rick on Facebook telling everybody, life's good, life's good. Why is it so good? Because his deeds are producing from the wisdom that's on the inside of him. In a world that's constantly shifting, in a world that has to do with fear, in a world that has to do with anxiety, in a world that wants you to bite on all of these things, what we have to have is the wisdom of God that comes forth in our deeds. Have you ever noticed that when you are sick on the inside, you stop doing the good deeds that come from God? Have you ever noticed that hurt people hurt people? Have you ever noticed that when something is, is, is not right internally in your emotions or your soul, you tend to lash out at other people? You tend to destroy things that you once were working so hard to build simply because something is not right on the inside. So the Bible says, he says, wisdom should be shown by your good deeds, and you should be able to see it. And there should be deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom, because wisdom doesn't always run its mouth. Right? Solomon talks about this. He says, oftentimes, the person who says the least knows the most. Why? Because wisdom usually doesn't do the most talking. You know what I mean? The people who want to be in a fight haven't been in enough fights. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's my theory. There's a, there's a movie with uh, Vin Diesel. He goes, he's like, he's like I figured if I was in 300 street fights, that would be enough to like be able to handle myself. So he just went out and started looking for street fights. But once you're like in 300 street fights, you kind of get, you know, that taste out of your mouth. And you're like, I don't really need to do that anymore to know that I'm good, right? And it's the same way with wisdom. It's like some people are always talking about their trial and some people are talking about their, their problems. And they're talking about how good is, how good God is all the time in the face of their trials and stuff. And then there's people who are quiet and they're resting in what God has done. These are the people who know the wisdom of God. Why? Because they've been through enough crap to know that it's going to work out because that's the way God is. All I have to do is remain in his wisdom and it turns out in my favor. This is the way it works. If you have not come to this place where your wisdom is strong and silent and humble, you need to go out and believe God for more stuff. And I say go out, look for trouble, but go out and believe God for more stuff, right? Have you ever uh, trusted God for healing? Have you ever seen somebody healed and then want, somebody, want God to do it again? So most people, like, they pray for their aunt, and then their aunt gets healed, or, you know, something happens, like they see something miraculous, and then they just give up, and they go, okay, well, if God sends me somebody else who's sick and needs healing, then I'll be ready, because I've seen it once. Right? And they start saying, well, God's a healer, God's a healer, God's a healer. But very few people are willing to park their car right next to the handicapped space at High V and wait for somebody to show up and get out of their car and run up to them and go, hey, did you know God's a healer? Can I pray for you real quick? Most people do not do that because they don't live in that kind of wisdom about God. They're just running from one thing to the next. Wisdom operates in consistency, and that consistency brings humility. Write that down. Wisdom operates in consistency, 
And that consistency brings humility. This is where strength comes from. And then he says, the deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, it's sin. You need to confess it. Stop bragging about it. Okay. Now the world, this is where we get kind of on the outside of the truth of self-help, is that people, um, instead of doing the internal work, they get, they get wrapped up in, in, in uh, achievement, and they get wrapped up in winning, and crushing everyone, and it's, it's this mentality that I started at the bottom and I got to the top. I worked hard, and all of my hard work got me all of these things. The problem is that's not wise. Right? And Solomon talks about this a ton in Proverbs, and he addresses it over and over again. He's like, because this ambition actually comes from places of bitter envy. Have you ever met somebody who was successful, but they're still bitter? Right? It's this idea of like, well, I'm going to show them. I'm going to get revenge. And this idea of revenge comes from having success. And I can go back and I can find my dad, and he thought I would be nothing, but look at me now. They said I was, well, wouldn't be able to do it. People laughed at me, but look at me now, right? This is the idea of selfish ambition, and the Bible talks about selfish ambition. So for me, a lot of, of my life was kind of running away from this idea of ambition, but as I looked into the Word of God, what I found out is that God wants us to be ambitious. God wants us to be diligent, God wants us to provide for our families. God wants us to serve and honor others. How can you do that without ambition? Right? And the key word in this text is not necessarily ambition because God is moving us forward. As a matter of fact, he told Adam and Eve, he creates them. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to subdue the earth and rule over it. How can you do that without ambition? Have you ever known somebody who couldn't get out of bed in the morning because they were so depressed they just wanted to exist and figure out how to live their life at the lowest common denominator instead of living to what God has given them and called them to do? Do you know these kind of people? Is it you? Ooh. Ambition is something, it's, it's a drive. How do you wake up in the morning, open your eyes, and be excited for a new day? God wants you to. As a matter of fact, he says his mercies are new every morning. In other words, that he gives you provision, not based on your past mistakes, but he gives you mercy every single morning so you can start fresh and go at it. Think about this. This is what God is doing. The difference is, is am I a selfish ambition person or am I a godly ambition person? What's the difference? Ask me. Go ahead. Beg me. Ambition. The difference is this. Ambition at the expense of others or ambition at the service of others. Selfish ambition is ambition at the expense of others. I think you know somebody like this. On the other end is this ambition at the service of others. And this is what God is talking about when he says, I want you to rule over and subdue. 
the earth. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to do the work. And what Paul says, he says, a person who won't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. How do you do that? You go out and you get ambitious. He says, I want you to occupy. I want you to labor until I come back. What does he want you to do? He wants you to get busy about the work of the Lord. He wants you to get busy about doing who, uh, doing what he said and who he is and being busy about spreading that, being busy about uh, multiplying that. He says, I want you to make disciples. I want you to go out and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. I want you to be busy about it. P- uh, not Peter, but Paul even says, that those that don't work shouldn't eat. He says, a workman is worthy of his hire. All of these things are ambitious terms. So what are we doing with our lives? And so, because we're so scared of selfish ambition, we'll run away and live a lethargic life and not be wrapped up in the things of God and what he has for us. Dare I say that God may want to promote you to be the top of your company? But what would you do with it? Who would you become? God wants to bless you and give you more and more and more money. How do I know that? Because the Old Testament says that. The blessing of God was accompanied with more and more and more and more money. The blessing of God was on David. He had more and more money. The blessing of God was on Solomon. He had more and more money. The blessing of God was on Abraham. He had more and more money. The blessing of God was on Jacob. He had more and more money. And most of us want to say blessed and just think, well, that makes me happy in my heart. But God wants to bless you. The problem is we're so rooted in bitterness and selfish ambition that we wouldn't know what to do with money if we had it. And this is not a money issue. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm going to get deeper than that. But what God is showing us is that we have to be the kind of people who are filled with his wisdom, filled with his security, and that is going to prove certain deeds in us that will change the world. It will change the world. Imagine if you could build an orphanage anywhere you wanted to. But you won't because you're scared of selfish ambition. Imagine the thing that God has put on your heart that you don't have enough resources for and you keep shrinking back from because you're so scared of what you might become because you know the bitterness that's inside of you. You know you have these things that are so far from what God wants you to be. And so what he is saying is that it's not about climbing this ladder. It's about being in me. And if you can be in me, I will take you up ladders. Joseph was busy about serving his dad, so much so that his dad loved him so much more, and his brothers sold him into slavery, and then he was in slavery for 13 years. And he had ups and downs, and he did all sorts of things. But what God was doing in that is he was training him to be a provider for the whole nation of Israel. Think about this. He's number two in all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the leader of the greatest dynasty of that time. And Joseph's right there. But yet Joseph was not filled with selfish ambition. He was filled with ambition for the service of others. And even so, he had to have an opportunity where God brought to him his family and he had an opportunity to forgive them and release the bitterness so that he could rule in a greater way. Think about that. 
This is a lot of stuff all at once, but I'm getting to this point. This point right here is where your life is going to change if you allow it. What Jesus wants for you is to be so supplied for every good work he would put his life on it. Jesus wants you to be so supplied for every good work, every ambition that he plants in your heart that he would put his life on it. He knew that you wouldn't be enough. He knew that you'd be broken. He knew that you would have issues. He knew that you would have scars. He knew that you would have wounds. And so all of those things he took on himself. He took on, his, on your wounds. The Bible says that he binds up your broken heart. The Bible says that he came to, uh, to heal you. He came to restore you. He came to give you a perfect relationship with God in heaven. And all of the resources of heaven are sitting there and they want to be released in your life. And all you do is think about, God, if you could just help me make it through this day, then I would have enough for tomorrow and I could get my needs met. And God is saying, no, I want to meet everyone else's needs through you. And so what he says is that bitterness, bitter envy, and selfish ambition is actually wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And so I started wrestling around with this because I saw all these people in the Bible that were full of ambition and drive. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. David, Joseph, Jacob. Abraham. And God was making them promises that they would become great and that nations would be blessed through them. And they were. And then Jesus comes and he is doing the exact thing that God is talking about the Old Testament. He's becoming more and more ambitious towards what God has called him to do. And today we're meeting in a church on a Sunday morning, 2,000 years later, because of what God was doing through Jesus fulfilling his purpose. And so, yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So he's like, when you have these things, these selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, you, this evil practice is going on in your politics. Hello, hello. thankful for godly politicians. I got a friend who's a godly, I got a couple of friends that are godly politicians. Not against politics. But there's selfish ambition and there's ambition at the service of others. He says, here's, here's the difference. Wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. This is where it gets a little hard. Gives a little heart. Why? Because if I go through this, this list, I start to like analyze myself and go, ah, there's some places I'm not so right on with that. You know what I mean? Start with pure. How peace-loving would it be? How considerate, submissive. Submissive is a dirty word, isn't it? Wow. I did a wedding in Nashville and I talked about submission. 
Afterwards, this little blessed lady comes up. She says, oh, man, you are an excellent preacher. I've never heard a wedding sermon quite like that one. I liked everything but the whole submissive thing. Because what she didn't remember is that I said something about being submissive, and I applied it to both the bride and the groom. And I was like, did you hear the whole sermon? Because I talked about the bride and the groom are, are, are both sub- supposed to submit. And she's like, no, I stopped listening as soon as you said submissive. Because it's such a dirty word, we don't get it. And so what we have to get into is, and I believe this is the crux of what is happening in this little passage right here, is this submissiveness. So in, in Ephesians um, is where this this word submit comes and people get really crazy. Like, wives submit to your own husbands. And then it says husbands. Um, if you give it to me that up there. Uh, husbands, uh, give your whole entire lives for your wife, which is ultimate submission. But just before that, it says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what submission does is it takes away the ambition. Submission takes away the ambition because we just go, if I just have to just like lay down my life, then what does it matter what my life is made of? It's like salvation is like, I know I'm not good enough to be God's, but God makes me good, and so I just say, I'm terrible, and then you save me, and then everything is better. I get to go to heaven. I feel better about Tuesday, and that's so good. But that's not what God calls us to. He calls us to continually grow in wisdom and stature. He he calls us to be good stewards. He calls us to become more and more growing from glory to glory. Does sound familiar? This is all in the Bible. God is calling you to be more of what he designed you to be from the beginning. And then as you're growing and growing and growing, he goes, now I want you to submit It's not a call to devaluing yourself. It's a call to high value in knowing where to place that value. Every other place in the world, when we say submit, it's usually something that is of high value. When you're applying for a loan, submit your financials. Submit your credit report. When you're going for credentials, submit, submit. When you're in school, Work all semester long on this paper. It will be a capstone of all of your life's work in the four years you've spent at our college. Please make sure that you spend lots of time on it. Don't do any other classes but this class during this time because it requires a lot of research and writing. And you give your life and you drink lots of coffee. You're wired. You're irritable. You hate your life. And at the end of that semester, you submit that paper. It's of high value. And so this word submission, it's a hotopasa or something like that. Um, I forget exactly. But it actually means that we put ourselves in rank. Now, rank doesn't always mean you're better. It just means you have a different place. Hang with me here for a second. There may be a soldier that has been through every program. He may be a ranger in the army, special forces, speak seven different languages, can walk into places undetected and be a stealth assassin. 
right? Highest level soldier. But yet there's somebody somewhere who can't do any of that stuff, who has the right jacket with the right bars, little gray hair, probably physically couldn't even hold up to what this guy can do or ever could do. And he has to say, yes, sir, and submit himself to that person. What is the idea of submission? The idea of submission is I have become something of high value and I give it to you so that we can be better. Mm. I'm a person of high value. I work on it day and night. I've spent years becoming and thinking about what God wants me to be. And now you have a need and I'm willing to submit myself into your need so that your situation can become better. This is ambition at the service of others. And this is what God is telling us. He's like, look, he's like, true wisdom, this is wisdom, it's ambition at its finest, is to be pure, peace-loving, submissive, considerate, Mm. What if we were to be all these things to each other? Would your marriage be different? Would your kids be different? And so when he says, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ, Jesus never has to submit anything to me. But for some reason he does. He doesn't have to come down and say, hey, I have the love that you need for that situation. I'll give it to you. Well, wait, wait, Jesus, you don't have to do that. I mean, I don't want to ask too much. And he goes, no, 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 no. I, I, I want to. I paid for it. And I submit it to you. But wait, wait, wait. I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve that kind of love. I don't, you don't know the kind of person I am. I've just squandered it away again and again. It's like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. He's like, but I submit to you my forgiveness. He gives out of understanding the situation requires something more than is possible for one person. So when we look at each other, when you look at me, I look at you, when you look at your spouse, when you look at your kids, when you look at your friends, you look at what you need to be. So many people are looking to what they cannot give anymore because they're simply out. Because they are so busy climbing this selfish ambition ladder, they don't have any more to give. But there are people over here who are living in ambition that comes from being connected and abiding in the vine and understanding who God has made them to be and the supply that's always there. And the more than enough that God is, And the things that are in heaven that desire to come down to earth, if only we would pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, right now, as it is in heaven. What if we were those kind of people who rest in the ambition of God instead of climbing a ladder to an end that will leave you empty? 
You see, that comes from understanding the foundation that's in the word of God. Not all the fluff of self-help. Trust me, if you need to be healed, God has healing. You're not going to find it on a beach somewhere. I mean, it's nice, and trust me, it's cute. And, uh, but by the time you get to the bottom of my Mai Tai, you won't be happy. Well, you'll be, you'll be kind of happy, but tomorrow you won't be. It's not found in another thing. It's not found in winning another vacation, another achievement. It's not found in the car. It's not found in the life's work. It's not found in the Nobel Peace Prize. It's not found in even getting to the Oval Office. It won't be anything more than the emptiness it's been every step of the way unless you learn to rest in who God is. But if I can learn to rest in God then all of my ambition, all of my desires that he's placed inside of me, all the things he's fulfilling, all the things that I'll become, all the college degrees, all the money, all the funds, all the missions journeys, all of the places that I've been, all of the cumulative force of everything that I've ever experienced can then be submitted to someone else for their betterment. If my ambition is at the service of others. And this is what God is talking about when he says, the wisdom that comes from God. The wisdom doesn't just brag. The wisdom that just, it's strong, it's, it's sincere, and it's secure. That is the kind of people that God wants you to become. And he is willing to supply it if you'll learn to rest in it. So then he wraps it up and says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness is so wrapped up in achievement. It's like a checklist. Have you been forgiven? Yeah, I'm, I'm righteous. Yeah, cool. All right. Forgive me my sins. Yeah, I'm righteous. Yeah, did I do good today? Yeah, I'm righteous. But this idea of, of peacemakers, sowing peace is a person who gives from a flowing river that has full of supply. The current is constantly moving. It's different from ponds. Because you see, ponds, they look refreshing for a little bit, but if you just leave them there, then what happens? Yeah, I get nasty. You can put all the big bass in the world, but the pond's got scum on it. You don't, you don't want to go out there and hang out by it. And the difference between the river and the pond is what flows from it, through it, and where it's going. And could it be that your life has become stagnant and stale because you've been trying to just climb this ladder in your own little pond of scum? God is saying, no, I have a purpose if you just release things and submit yourself into what I've asked you to do, trust me, your supply would be never-ending. My dad used to tell me, don't go swim in that river, son. There's current in that river you can't see. It'll take you faster than you know. The beautiful thing about a river is that it's moving even when it doesn't look like it. It's peace on the outside, power on the inside. 
flowing to the place that it's got to go. Submission, submission, submission. And it starts with submission to God. God, I, I see that supply. What if there's businesses and foundations? What if there's ministries? What if there's countries that will be influenced for, you, for God's glory through you? But you're so busy in this pond. Like, I don't have enough. You know, there's not enough for me. Like, you, 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 you kind of got a throwback program. You know, it's like, hey, you can come fish my pond, but you're putting that fish back. Because <laughs> I want to catch it. My brother fishes in the ocean, catches six-foot sharks. Never once does he go, hey, make sure you put that back so I can catch it again later. He's on to the next thing, the next thing, because there's an adventure that happens from a supply that's endless. Your life could be an adventure, but you're so busy with the world's version of self-help the outside you're missing what God is doing on the inside Holy Ghost and fire changing my desire Jesus on the inside working on the outside I need you I need thee every hour I need you Jesus but God can't supply if you're not giving if you're not flowing with wisdom. It's got to be pure. It's got to be peace-loving. Oh, man, submissive. Consider it. Oh, my God. Consider it? Do you know? Yeah, just, just be considerate. Just love peace that comes from God. You understand, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm peaceful towards them, then what, what will they think? Yeah. Be a flowing river, you can hold on to that one bass that you've had for 10 years. God desires to do something so great with your life. You need to stop dreaming because you're so put off, tired, broken down, living from a supply that doesn't come from the right ambitious place. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? It's a place in Hebrews that says that we should labor unto our rest, work hard at resting. And out of that rest comes purpose and design. It's like, it's like you're so charged from a great night's sleep that you have to get up and do something. You work so hard to get in bed on time and stop drinking coffee at the right time and put the right oils on your pillow and you just wake up and you just feel so good. You're like, I have to do something today. It's the kind of rest God has for you. You would rest so well in Him that your purpose would burn inside of you that his passions would burn inside of you. When's the last time your desires burned inside of you? It comes from resting in this wisdom.
Father, speak to hearts right now. Penetrate our lives in a tangible way, just for a moment. We've got to become more. We're not enough. God placed in our hearts desires and dreams. Desires and dreams. God, I remember the call to build an orphanage. I remember the call to reach the world. I remember the call to reach the broken. I remember the call to heal the sick. I remember the call. Ignited in us again, God. So many stories about people after they retire. After they retire, God, doing more in the last 10 years of their life, 20 years of their life, than they did any other time. Ignite that here. The spirit. The spirit of supply. The spirit of outreach. The spirit Submission, we submit it to you, God, for your glory. Maybe you're here today and you say, God, I'm so hurt. How can I do anything? I'm just so damaged. There's scars and these wounds. I don't see how I could reach anything. Jesus was wounded and he saved the world. Jesus rose from the dead and still had scars in his hands. His supply is for your scars. His supply is for your wounds too. Supplies for his vision for your life regardless of what you've been through. Rest in it today. Rest in it. Just lay back into it. to be bitter from the abuse. You don't have to be bitter from the abuse. The wisdom of the world says be bitter. The wisdom of God says submit it to me. say, Brandon, I don't know that I, even a Jesus follower like you're talking about, I've been in church, but I'm not sure I have this kind of connection. I want it. I want it. You 
to start a new life with Jesus today. Everything in the past seems so big, but it's so small compared to what God has for your life. If I had to become a follower of Jesus today, not just a religious person, not a churchgoer, a follower of Jesus, just raise your hand where you are. I want to pray with you. Awesome. Thanks, bud. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We just pray this prayer here to use first. It's pretty simple. It just goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow after you. We just pray that with me together. Jesus, I believe in you. Come on. Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow after you. Father, I pray for my friends in this room. From all walks of life, from all experiences, from all deficits, deficiencies, from all paths, that they be united today with you. And it would feel completely different because it fills every hole. It fills every gap. It's new in the places that are damaged and broken. That we would walk in a new wisdom. We submit ourselves to you as you give yourself to us, God. We would understand that our calling is so much greater, so much greater than what we've seen. You would trust us with the resources of heaven. And we would know and experience. We would know and experience the goodness of God right here in our lives, in the land of the living, where we live, in our town, in our families, our marriages, our workplace, God. It would go forth to the nations in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you, Lord. Give God a big praise today.